0: 20 of the uh, acts of 2021 an act relative to extending certain COVID-19 measures adopted during the state of emergency signed into law on June 16th 2021 this meeting will be conducted via remote participation no in-person attendance by members of the public will be permitted um, with that I'd like to turn it over to the chair of the Northborough School Committee to call for committee into session.
1: Thank you. Um, the time is six thirty-nine p.m. and I'm calling the Northborough School Committee into session for this joint special meeting on February seventeenth. Um, and I just want to make it known that Erin Tagliaferri is not here, and Keith Labelle is audio only um, for the next few minutes.
0: Thank you. Um, I'd like to call the southborough school committee joint special open meeting into order today is thursday february 17 2022 it is six forty p.m and our full committee is in attendance with both audio and video working um the first item on the agenda is public comment if i could just say a couple things about this before I, I turn this over to to Lauren um, as most folks know we've had a lot of uh, parent input uh, not only through the survey that that uh, was sent out by the district uh, but also there's been a number of emails I'd like to assure folks that the results of the survey as well as the emails have been made available to all school committee members. So, what public comment is intended for is to make the school committee aware of information they may might not already have. So, I would just like to, I guess, ask folks uh, to be considerate of of any folks that might have a new some new information if if you sent things in on the comment or emailed. Uh, the committees have had an opportunity to see those, uh, and um, public comment is limited in in, in scope. So hopefully, uh, um, we'll just have new information come through. With that, um, uh, Chairman Bailey Jones, Chairperson Bailey Jones, I'll turn it over to you.
1: Thank you so much. Uh, So on behalf of both the Northboro and Southboro school committees, I'd like to thank everyone here tonight um, who's in attendance and everyone who would like to participate in the audience sharing or public comment portion of the agenda. Um, So as a lot of you probably know, um, we did adopt um, a policy on public comment B330 recently. It was in December. Um, So I just want to go over a couple of those guidelines. Um, So the first is that. Um, audience sharing, the purpose is really for um, uh, a way, like Roger said, for the community to share their thoughts. So it's not really a discussion or debate or a dialogue between the school committee and individuals. Um, And we invite you to do so during this part of the agenda. Um, The public comment section shall not exceed 15 minutes unless the presiding chair um, decides to extend this. Um, And each speaker is allotted up to three minutes of speaking time at around two minutes and 45 seconds I will give a warning that it's time to wrap up Um, and I ask you to just do so in in a few sentences. Um, So if you have a comment that you would like to share tonight I'm going to ask that you use the virtual hand function in the Zoom, zoom webinar And when I call your name, if you could just state your name and your address, as well as your town for the record, I'd really appreciate it. All right, so we have a few people who have their hands raised and it looks like, let me just extend my screen. See someone named Kevin, Kevin. Yep. You are welcome to speak. Thank you so much. Can you hear me? I can. Thank you.
2: Great. Yeah, so m- my name is Kevin Robbins, and I live on Independence Drive. I have um, three, three, three kids in um, the fourth, first, and pre-K. So first, uh, thank you for letting me speak. I really appreciate that. I would like to state that I am for lifting the K-8 through mass mandate on February 28th. Two years into the pandemic, um, fortunately, now we are dealing with a completely different virus, Omicron, compared to the start of the pandemic. Several peer-reviewed studies have demonstrated that Omicron is less efficient at replicating in deep lung tissue. So luckily, it's evolved into what is mostly an upper respiratory tract virus. Next, I'd like to focus on the tools we have to deal with COVID. We have safe and effective vaccines. We have approved antibodies as prophylactics for the immune compromised. We have antibodies as early treatment options, and we also have authorized antivirals targeting replicases and proteases. And excitingly, um, the Pfizer protease inhibitor actually had zero participants died in in the treatment arm of that study. And in addition to this, our doctors know how to treat COVID with existing drugs. For example, using steroids to calm cytokine storm, In all, no one has to die from COVID now with these tools. And I'd like to emphasize we're dealing with Omicron, which is less virulent compared to Delta, Alpha, and the wild type. So in regards to kids, I'd like to focus your attention on mortality data provided by the CDC. And for the sake of this conversation, I'll focus on the data for kids 5 to 11 years old. But generally, the same trends are true for those 3 and 4 and as well as ages 8 um, 12 to 18 years old so from january 1st 2020 until october 16th pre-kid covid vaccination there were 94 deaths from covid-19 this accounts for 1 1.7% of all deaths for kids 11 um, 5 f- 5 to 11 years old during this time period 94 okay during a similar time frame pre pre about 22 months more kids died from the flu and pneumonia 154 that's more than 61 percent more fatal than covid so now what are the other causes of death and i'll present this data as a multiple of COVID death rates motor vehicle accidents are ten and a half times more deadly to kids 5 to 11 years old suicide unfortunately six and a half times more deadly homicide five times more deadly and accidental drug overdose about one X. So it's on par with COVID-19. Sadly, uh, I'm just yep. giving
1: you the 15 to 20 second warning. Thank you.
2: Sure. Yeah, <clears throat> I guess I'll skip um, some other data, but basically what I'm trying to emphasize is that, you know, we have to start looking at the real risk in society to our children. And we can't look at our kids as case numbers or viral vectors and something that may get adults or other kids sick. They're humans and deserve a bit of normalcy. Two years into the pandemic, our medical professionals have many more tools in the toolbox, and no one really has to die from COVID with proper treatment. And of course, as I stated earlier, you know the rates of kids, um, you know K through eight, the risk is absolutely you know it's almost zero if you look at the numbers so it's really much much below flu and and of course those other forms of death are are much much higher and i think we should focus on them you know we we basically send our kids on a school
1: bus we are okay. approaching 4 minutes yep. uh, is okay. there a final statement you'd like to say
2: yeah i mean we send our kids on a school bus without a without seatbelts every single day and we think nothing of it and and i just want to highlight you know motor vehicle accidents are you know, much more deadly to children than COVID ever will be.
1: Thank you for sharing your thoughts, Kevin. Yep. Next we have Devona uh Devona Cartier Cartier. Devona, can you hear us? Yes, can you hear me? Yes, thank you. Can you just state your name and address for the record? Of course. Devona Cartier, 14 John Street,
3: Southboro. We today still have kids and families who are highly vulnerable to COVID. We have an incredibly contagious virus, much, much more infectious than last year's version. One way masking is not nearly as safe as two way masking. That was acknowledged at the policy meeting on Tuesday. One of the members of the medical advisory team said she had only recently found an N95 mask that fits her face well enough with a good enough seal that she could be comfortable at work with unmasked people then acknowledge that they don't make kids masks that fit like that. There aren't masks for kids that seal well enough for personal choice masking to protect those who need it. We need universal two-way masking for a little longer so these kids and families don't have to choose between health and education. As you decide this policy today, you must think of the most vulnerable among us. We need access to public education too. Our medical advisory team knows the effective universal masking is and the research that overwhelmingly backs that so I won't speak to the misinformation that's circling. So how are we here with the recommendation to lift universal two way masking well the numbers are coming down we are back to where we were before the most recent peak air quality measures work we have extra testing and we have high vaccination numbers so it's time to move on to normalcy right. How many children have underlying conditions in the district? Do we have students who are immunocompromised? Are there any members of student households who are at high risk, even if vaccinated? What about siblings, for and under, who don't have access to the vaccine? These people are still at high risk. How is the district planning to keep protecting these people? Vaccines, ventilation, hand hygiene. Excellent. All good. Opt in testing. OK, that's helpful. How many families are doing that? Is it half? Is it less? Contact tracing? Nope, that's gone, unless we are already in a cluster. Community uh, numbers are low? Well, they are lower than January, but they aren't low. Last summer had low numbers, and we aren't anywhere near that. Kids can opt in to mask wearing, but masks that seal well enough to protect when one-way masking against today's virus aren't available. So we are losing a lot of layers of protection this year, and many of the layers we still have are opt-in. This doesn't make me feel like the district is worried about vulnerable kids and families with a variant that is so much more contagious. In closing, we all want to return to normalcy. We are all tired and done. The pandemic isn't done though, and many of us are still at high risk you have to bring us along too. If everyone at school wears masks with ventilation and high vaccine rates, school can return to normalcy. We can all join as that shifts. If you take away the protection of two-way masking, many will be just fine with no
1: harm done. But others, this is your uh, time to wrap it up. Thank you.
3: Will you let some kids and families take a step forward while others have to step back to stay safe? Do you want to be able to bring all kids along? Please let us continue to have access to in-person education too. And finally, can someone please confirm for me how many kids need to be absent to trigger the 92% policy? I know that's 8% of kids. I think in Southborough, that's 91 kids. Can somebody confirm that that's the accurate number?
1: 91 kids to trigger this policy? Thank you. I appreciate the time. Thank you, Tavona. Great, thank you so much for sharing. Uh, Michael, I believe it's Sayaka, you are next. Michael, can you hear us?
4: Hello? Yes, I can hear okay, you. Okay. All right. Great. Thank you.
1: Thank you. Name so much. address, yes. please.
4: Sure. Michael Shaka of Maynard Street in Northborough. Uh, I have four kids, and uh, three of them currently in the Northborough schools. And thanks so much for allowing me the time to speak here. Uh, I'd like to start by just saying that you know it's 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 natural for a certain percentage of the population to be scared and uncertain of change if we go back two years before the terms covid and social distancing and masking and vax cards all became a part of our daily vernacular you'll remember early on the cries of follow the science well the jury's in the data has come back and irrefutably has proven that the type of masks that have been overwhelmingly used by our population are largely ineffective yes arguments have been made if you're using an n95 mask with a ventilator and it's securely you know it's secured tightly over your nose and your face then there's some degree of protection this however is almost never the case i would dare say absolutely never the case when it comes to children of the ages of k through eight it's simply not possible It's simply not possible for them to maintain wearing a mask like that. They haven't been doing it, it hasn't been done, and frankly, it's not possible. In addition to the ineffectiveness of the mask types and the manner in which they've been overwhelmingly used, you must also recognize that having an object on your face as a five-year-old, as a seven-year-old, as a 13-year-old, an object that constantly needs to be adjusted promotes one of the very things that every doctor will tell you not to do when it comes to protecting yourself from viruses and bacteria. Namely, putting your hands near your eyes, near your nose, and near your mouth. This coupled with the fact that there have been many, many studies proving that the concentration of bacteria on the mask can then lead to bacterial pneumonia, which is a far greater threat to the well-being of children than COVID, and certainly more dangerous than the essentially benign strains that are currently circulating. So given these irrefutable facts, beyond clinging to the false sense of security of having this mask on your face, we need to ask ourselves, For what purpose would any intelligent person decide to continue a masking policy that has been proven to provide more harm than good? The time has come. Popular opinion of science, the medical community, policy makers, and most importantly, parents and voters at large have finally come to recognize these as facts. These truths tonight you need to reflect upon and make the right choice. Put an end to this mandatory masking policy, please. Thank you.
1: Thank you, Michael. Next is Rebecca Roman. Rebecca, just as a reminder, once you are able to speak, if you can just state your name and address. Rebecca, can you test your audio for us? Rebecca, Rebecca Roman. All right. I'm going to go to the next person. Um, so that's Kurt. Kitson. Can you hear me? Oh, Rebecca, I can. Oh, yes.
5: I'm sorry. I was hitting the wrong button. My apologies. Thank you very much. No worries. Apologies.
1: Oh, uh, no Rebecca worries. Rebecca Roman,
5: 34 Woodstone Road, Northboro, Massachusetts. Of Thank course. You. <laughs> um, I want to take a minute and I would like to um, give a shout out to Kevin who had brought forward some great statistics and also to michael um, i will tell you that i work in healthcare. it's my responsibility to follow this virus very closely as i've seen it impact many individuals uh, i will tell you that the individuals who i have not seen it impact are the ones that um, go to these schools and i'm very pleased because i have um, kids in age groups between you know um, algonquin all the way down to lincoln street and um last night's results of the committee uh, were wonderful and i have two children who were celebrating vehemently while i have a fifth grader who is sitting there questioning what's going to happen and i didn't know what to tell him and i did send an email forward um, in advance letting everyone know my concerns relative to my fifth grader Uh, most importantly how i uh, with my husband have weighed the risks and impacts of him Potentially contracting this virus, which by the way, he already did, or getting a resurgence of it, et cetera, versus the current problems that he's developing as a result of wearing the mask. And there's no question that wearing the mask has a much bigger impact on him in longevity as a, as a result of um, being already um, sick with COVID, which by the way, was a 24 hour um, discomfort. That would probably be the best way to describe it. Um, we've had COVID impact us personally as a family and have survived it. And I know that early on, uh, many individuals um, had their own challenges, but we're no longer early on. We are two years past. We have, as Kevin had mentioned, many opportunities for treatments, many opportunities for protection. And in this instance, I, I would be um, remiss if I didn't recognize an article that just came out in the Globe today from the um, physician, Dr. Ashish Jha, I believe, from, um, I believe he's Brown University and School of Public Health. And he himself acknowledged that there's such a rapid decline in the number of cases that are um, being recognized from February 9th, even till now, there's at least a 42% decrease in the seven day moving average of positive tests. And I think we can all recognize, at least I get access to the statistics on a regular basis, the positivity rate and the hospitalization rate are on a rapid decline, and the hospitalization rate was elevated from a false number of statistics. I can tell you because I work in that industry. They were reporting um, hospitalizations associated with COVID because people would go in for hip replacement and, unfortunately, test positive as they were recovering. They weren't admitted for COVID. They just happened to be a patient that was in the hospital that tested positive. And I think the media throws a huge spin on people's perception of what the current virus that we're dealing with has as an impact on you personally i support people if you could just yes? wrap it up that would be great thank you i support We're people's perfect. options for choices choices are important but mandating a mask and mandating it in a graded fashion or re- removing it in a graded fashion three four weeks from now is not something that i can explain to my five, fifth or grader my 10 year old when i have a kid going to school the same day going to high school without a mask so i respectfully ask that we look to Repeal the mask mandate by February 28th as the governor and the DESE um, leadership recommended.
1: Thank you, Rebecca. Uh, before we continue with audience sharing, uh, we did begin at 6 p.m. and it is seven o'clock. Uh, so we have gone 16 minutes. Uh, Mr. Chairman,
0: um Laura, would you like to proceed? I'm, this is what I'd like to recommend. I, I see we we do have eight more people. Um Uh, we could close it off I hate to do that what I would like to do is again um, ask folks for their consideration Uh, I don't in other words no more hands will be allowed to go up or at least we'll be allowed to speak Um, but if you'd a make sure that you're adding something new and maybe if you'd cut your comments down to a couple minutes and just uh, just kind of give us the high points uh, I'd like to squeeze everybody in, if that makes sense. Are you? That seem all right with you, Lauren?
1: Yes, that seems fine by me, and I will try to do a better job at keeping people to three minutes, uh, well, I, and I think letting I, them go beyond.
0: You've done
6: a great. You've done a great job.
0: All right, thank you.
1: Thank you. Thanks.
6: Uh, Can I just Mr. make a uh, Mr. Martino? Just, I also want to point out this is a joint uh, special meeting, therefore. It's probably wise to have 15 minutes of Northborough and Southborough, so a total of a half hour.
1: Okay, that makes sense. Uh, so, Roger, would you like to continue then with the next 15 minutes?
0: Uh, well, the problem is, I don't
7: necessarily.
0: Uh, are, are you? Are you, Greg? I think what you're what you're suggesting is that is that the audience sharing participants. Um, from both towns
6: yeah I mean I think that just that we have a half hour of time for audience sharing and right. I don't think we should uh manage whether it's half north or half south but I think we should do a half hour let folks speak and then close it at a half hour
0: fair enough so that's what we're going to try to do um and I think I think Warren, you're doing great as far as managing the folks through so we'd continue I'd appreciate it
1: absolutely all right thank you so much um, so, Kurt Kitzman, you are next, and if you can just state your name and address, that would be great.
8: Hi, just confirm you can hear me? Yes, I can. Hi, oh, thank you. My name is Kurt Kitzman, uh, 11 Sawyer Road, Northboro. I have two children in grade school. Um, just want to thank everybody for giving me the opportunity to share my opinion on the k rate mask mandate tonight. It's my opinion that we can't end this mask mandate fast enough. This was always supposed to be a temporary solution. At this point, the virus is a part of us as just as many other viruses, and we live with them every day. In the last two years, I've seen our schools become what I think is an Orwellian atmosphere, except we're not living in 1984, it's 2022. The children are being forced to not behave like children. Don't challenge, don't question, don't talk, stay in your bubble. And they've been challenged to make relationships and have fun. I hear this from my kids every day. Um, I've given them more than a few pep talks to soldier on and this will be over soon, but we keep extending that and it keeps going and, and there's people amongst us that want to keep it going farther still. I'd also like to point out that it's pretty well known that in your mind, your brain, you record bad memories and traumas heavier than you, you have to record happier ones. And as adults we should easily recognize this because if you think back you can easily remember a car crash or something that tra- traumatic that happened to you much more easily than you can recall a happy memory the way they were living the current state the way these kids are, are having their childhood these are memories that i don't want them to have for my children or any other child i mean overall our children only have so many years before they are what we consider adults and Within that journey, they are children, they are preteens, and they are teens. And each one of these has unique aspects. And in the last two years, they've been stolen from them, parts of their lives that they will never get back. The children are not sick. The vast majority of us adults are not either. What started out to be a public health crisis, and as people have pointed out, has now amounted to the common cold. From my perspective, anyone that would continue to push this life choice on the children with there's no necessity is just being selfishly cruel. This is not how I want my children to live. The mass mandate needs to be removed immediately and as in closing just as part of this general forum I think these need meetings need to return to the public An elected body needs to see the faces of their constituency. Thank you.
1: Thank you Kurt next we have Jessica. Hello, can you hear uh, me? Hi, Jessica.
9: Yes, if you can just state your name and address. You're Jessica Fanna, Parkerville Road, Southboro. I am in favor of lifting the mask policy for all children in grades pre-K to eight as soon as possible. From an educational standpoint, these kids are not able to learn at their very best. My daughter is currently struggling with phonics and learning how to recognize and pronounce letter sounds correctly. She is unable to see her teacher's mouth and her teacher is unable to see her mouth to correct her. Kids learn through repetition, not watching a teacher's mouth move one or two times while she briefly pulls down her mask. I have a nephew who has special needs and cannot hear well. He therefore relies on watching lips move to understand what is being said to him. Wearing a mask makes this virtually impossible and his education is regressing. This is also an important time for kids to develop social skills including recognizing facial expressions and social cues. Wearing masks for this prolonged period of time has had and will continue to have a negative effect on these children and their future unless we do something about it now. I understand and empathize with the argument that parents want to wait until the under five age group can get vaccinated. However, the FDA has just paused their approval process and we do not know when or if they will approve this vaccine for this age group. Under five-year-olds have an extreme low risk of severe COVID infection. Now, of course, we all wish the risk was at zero. However, nothing in life has a zero risk factor. We do things every day that involve risk and not even think about it. I would also like to comment to the parents that want to wait for this pre-K to eighth grade vaccination rate to get higher. I feel that the vaccination rate for our schools is plateauing. Parents who wanted to get their children vaccinated have already gotten them. Parents who are who are uncomfortable vaccinating their kids are probably not going to do it at this point. With the COVID cases plummeting and the overall low risk of severe infection to the five and up age group, what incentive do parents have to vaccinate now, especially when, when the vaccine weans after a few months? The answer is clear to me and the data is right in front of us. If we want our kids to have the best chance at learning, we need to make mass optional for all grade levels right now. Thank you.
1: Thank you, Jessica. Next we have Kristen. Kristen, if you can state your name and address.
10: Hi, it's Kristen Rosero. Um, We are at 12 Prentice Street in South Grove. Thank you. Uh, We have two children. One is is four years old and in the preschool program at Finn and the other is in second grade at Woodward. Um, Our main concern, and I don't have to go on too long, but our main concern is that those who are under five don't have the choice to get a vaccine. So if we're saying you know masks may not be perfect um but they do work especially with both you know double masking going on you have the people you're talking to and in yourself, self-mask you're in better shape than if you don't have it and if vaccines work that's wonderful too and it's great that so many of our kids are getting vaccinated but it, it's It's hard to stomach the idea that we are going to remove protections for those kids who don't have the choice who don't have the option to get vaccinated yet um what additional protections are we going to give them at this point um to just say well you guys are on your own (laughs) um and their older brothers and sisters are bringing back you know even if um it's even if you don't have a child who's under five and not available uh, um, eligible for a vaccination, you know they're going to school with brothers and sisters of other people who, um, uh, your, your kids are going to school with brothers and sisters, or, you know who have um, younger children at home, and we'd just like to see that those kids are taken into consideration here. Um,
1: thank you. Thank you, Kristen. Next we have Ella.
11: Hi Ella if you could just state your name and address please. My name is Ella Crewson and the address is 22 Weston Terrace in Northborough. Thank you. So I also have two children one in first grade and one in preschool. Uh, My daughter attends a private preschool where masking has been optional at the parents discretion from the beginning as the EEC has allowed that and there has been no significant spread of COVID, even when de facto every single child has been a close contact. If someone else got COVID from a sibling, we, I, you know, she did, and obviously she's not vaccinated. My son, who's in first grade at Peasley, is sitting next to me and he's asking me every day, when are the masks going to be done? He told me he can't breathe in a mask. He's, it's distracting because he has to take it on and off, on and off, on and off all day. That defeats the entire purpose of having a mask. The cloth masks don't fit well, they're not comfortable, and it's completely distracting from the education. You know, they're taking them off and touching their face and touching the masks for recess, snack breaks, water breaks, and, you know, any other time it's just bothering them on their face. I've noticed that he doesn't drink water regularly because taking off his mask to take a sip of water. Has become a problem and in all of that to say is we can't say at this point that masking is simply an inconvenience it does cause harm it's harder to learn how to read it's harder to connect with the teachers and other students without seeing their facial expressions and it makes it harder for active kids to be active you know at this point in the vaccine we're no longer sorry this point the vaccine and the pandemic overall while it is the variants are emerging as more contagious. They're also becoming less severe and children have the entire time been barely impacted by it. There's no reason for masking to not be an individual decision made for by each family for their own risk factors. Thank you.
7: Thank
1: you, Ella. Next, we have Karen. Hi, Karen, can you hear us? Oh, sorry, guys, can this you is Karen. To... Oh. Can, you, can you hear me? Yes, <laughs> this is, uh, now I can.
12: This, this is Casey, Karen's husband. I thought she had, uh, or I had a separate login. My apologies. So I guess I'll steal no her, her time. Uh, sorry for being breathy here. I'm trying to be efficient with talking about health and working on my health. So thanks for giving me the couple of minutes. I'll try not to make you ask me to, uh, to cut it off short. Uh, no
1: worries. And Casey, if you could just state um, your full name and then address, that would be great.
12: Yeah, sure. Yeah. Casey Clark, 16 Fiddle Lane, and I'm here in Southboro. Uh, a couple Thank of girls you. in grade school. Yeah. Uh, Nine and 11. So, you know, the, the first thing I'll say is I think all the speakers have been really thoughtful. Uh, There's some great, great info, great points. Um, I think Kevin kicking it off did a great job talking about, you know, the the risks and, and how, the reality is that risk to our kids are extremely low. They always have been. And that's even more true now with Omicron. And one of the other things that I just want to point out is that, you know, this, you know, maybe more so than, than being a, a crisis of health, it really has been a crisis of, of information. And I would venture to guess that a lot of people aren't aware that, you know, the number of, of child deaths that uh, it, that took place in healthy children in Germany or in the single digits same in the uk. Um, so it's nowhere close to some of the other things that are a risk to our kids and we know this now and you know what we also know is that vaccines will not stop the spread. Um, I support everybody's decision uh, to get the vaccine uh, my wife and I are vaccinated um, but I will also say that that we know a lot more now than we did a year ago and we know clearly, that it does not stop the spread. So I, I really wish we could stop, you know, setting goals in the, within the school system for our kids that are based on vaccination rates. It just doesn't make any sense. Um, we also know, as I think Mike pointed out, that masks are not effective. This is just a science. Um, there are plenty of studies that, that show this, and there are very few studies that show any efficacy in mask wearing, and that actually includes N95s. And the last thing I'll say is, is, you know, around public health and the response that we've taken, nationally but but also you know the the one we've taken locally we followed that that national public health response and i'll just point to all-cause mortality and i I would also venture to guess that that very few people realize that all-cause mortality is higher in 2021 post all of these interventions including vaccine and masking than it was in 2020 when we had no uh, effective treatment options at least not any treatment options that were that were mainstream so if there's any scorecard that we should all be looking at to evaluate, you know, the effectiveness of our public health response, it's all cause mortality. And we are worse now than we were in 2020. More people are dying than should be dying. So um, we need to pivot and, and focus on broad health. How do we keep our kids healthy? How do we build up their immune systems? How do we keep them active? Um, and you know what? Masking is is not an effective way to do that 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 may actually leave them more vulnerable than uh than than the good that it does so that's all i have to say i hope people consider that and uh, again just keep in mind that uh, there's data that's been out there for a long time and it's not necessarily going to be spoon fed to us we have to we have to go find it so uh, thanks for for listening appreciate it lauren thank
0: you thank you casey yes. um lauren i uh, we're going to have to cut it off we're over 30 minutes now um Uh, absolutely i'd also like to thank folks for their comments uh and we're going to move on to the next agenda item which is the face covering policy um policy a 170 um so i think i'm going to turn it over to superintendent martineau to uh provide a presentation and uh and move move forward from here
6: Thank you. And before I begin um, a brief overview and providing some context, I would ask that the members of the medical advisory team who are waiting as attendees in the audience raise their hand if they're going to join as panelists. That'd be very helpful. And Dr. Horn will promote you as a panelist, um, to answer any questions that many members may have. And while we're promoting panelists, I will share my screen. I just want to begin this evening by sharing that uh, Mary Ellen Duggan, who is the wellness coordinator and nurse leader, um, is not able to be in attendance this evening. Um, Mary Ellen has been instrumental in Um, helping provide leadership throughout the district um, throughout the past two years. Um, She's not able to make it because she had prior plans before the meeting was scheduled. So um, she wishes she could be here, but is not. And we have members from the medical advisory team who are able to answer any specific questions committee members have. So the first thing I would just want to acknowledge that we've been very fortunate as a community Um, From the very beginning, we've had a medical advisory team um, who are represented on this slide and who have provided advice and guidance, who have helped us understand the research, the data and the science, Um, and they have been instrumental in leading and providing advice to the district to help us make um, the best decisions with the data that we do have. So in terms of the medical advisory team has met weekly um, for the past 24 months, they've been on call when um, we've had specific uh, cases and we need specific advice. Um, And part part of the medical advisory team's work um, when making the recommendations um, has really been looking at case counts and trends at the local level, the town level, the state level. We also look at absenteeism rates, students and staff, the vaccination rate. Um, They also examine clusters of cases, um, examining school transmission, and then other factors such as wastewater data, hospital capacity, and deaths. So in terms of evaluating case counts in our schools, um, this is a look back since September um, to, February sixteenth, twenty twenty-two, and as you can see, the case counts have been re- relatively low up until um, mid-December, when we definitely saw a um, increase in number of cases, um, most likely as a result of Omicron. On the left-hand slide, the table is um, Northborough, and on the right-hand side, the table is Southborough, um, and we saw um, the same type of pattern of increases in each of the communities. Also, in terms of the case counts in the town, so when the medical advisory team looks at the townwide data, um, we saw the medical advisory team observed a similar pattern um, to what was happening in our schools um, in uh, possibly the same time frame. So we saw an increase um, in December um, and then January, early January, and then we um, saw a, a decline throughout the month of uh, January and into February. In terms of uh, state data, again, the medical advisory team um, shared that a similar pattern was observed um, at the statewide level um, and with an increase uh, in December, January, and then a sharp decline um, at the end of January and into February. Also vaccination rates, so as we look at vaccination rates in our two communities, um, you will note that um, at Melican, it's 77%, and then Lincoln, Peasley, and Procter and Z, it ranges between 67% and 55%. At Trottier, it's 82%, and then it ranges um, for 80% and um, 76%. And then PK is at 11.38% again because of the age of our students at that those levels. So one of the things we've been monitoring very closely um, since September and absentee isn't something is something that we monitor on a, a typical year pre pandemic we watch it very closely to look for patterns and trends on average we um, have a daily average attendance of anywhere between 95 and 97 percent um, and one of the things that we've done is we've looked at daily attendance um, the month of um, certain weeks throughout the year but in particular in december uh, in january uh, and into february um, at the middle school level from 127 to 22. Um, we had nine cases and average daily attendance of 94.4 uh, in Northborough. And then at the elementary level, 22 cases and an absentee, a daily average attendance of 96.1. Um, the next week, we had one case in Northboro at the middle school level, average daily attendance 97. At the elementary level, we had 23 cases in 95%. And then lastly, the, the week of February 10th through the 16th, at the middle school level, we had two cases, an average daily attendance of 95.5, and at the elementary level, 7 and 95.9. And then in Southborough, um, the middle school, two cases, average daily attendance 97.6 for the week of 127 to 22. 15 cases at the elementary level, and then 96.3. And then as you can see, on um, 2.3 and 2.9, we have two cases at the middle school, an average daily attendance of 98% six cases at the elementary level with an average daily attendance of 96.6. And then um, February 10th through February 16th, we had one case at uh, the middle school level and 97.7 as an average daily attendance and eight in 95.2% at the elementary level. So as we we looked to, you know, what metric would would provide a good, data point to begin having conversations of when to lift masking. Um, over the course of the past year, and year and a half, uh, we've attempted to apply many metrics, but the metrics uh, failed over time. When we actually looked at using that metric, um, the data changed and then the metric was no longer valid. Um, looking at average daily attendance as a metric, I think it does have merit, and it does provide uh, a good window to what is happening in our schools. So quickly, I'll look at um, the average daily attendance over um, the past um, 24, 23 weeks. Um, and if you look at, and this is Northboro, if you look at um, Millican, you know, we've had pretty strong attendance rate. And then, as you can see, middle of the, uh, December, um, when we started to see increased cases of COVID-19 through um, January, um, we saw attendance drop below 92%. Um, and again, what we're seeing now is an uptick in attendance, average daily attendance, and now we're back up to 96%. At the elementary level, again, um, we had pretty strong attendance, and... Um, if we look at 92 as kind of a, a metric, a barometer of when we should start looking more closely. Um, we had two instances, um, one in October and one in November, where we were hovering around 92%. Uh, percent. And then in December through um, mid-January, we were below 91, 92%. Um, and then in December 23rd through um January twelfth, we saw um, our lowest attendance between eighty six point nine and eighty eight point six. Unfortunately, we're seeing that um, come back and rise. So our daily average attendance for the last week was ninety five point nine. Convert um, also in Southborough, when we look at the cases, again we've had strong daily attendance throughout the year. Um, using that ninety two percent threshold, um, we were close um, in. November we were at 93 and in um, November also November 18th through the 24th we were at 92.5 and then in mid-December through um, mid-January we saw our average daily attendance uh, drop below 92% um, at the middle school and we are now seeing um, normal attendance rates at this point in time and last week was 97.5 and when we look at Southboro, um, K through five, again, um, for the most part, we've had strong average daily attendance. We had one week in November where we dropped below um, 92. And then again, similar to Northboro and Trottier, we saw in mid December through mid January our attendance uh, d- uh, decrease. Um, and again, a lot more absences. But again, we're back to uh, more typical average daily attendance as of um, February sixteenth. So one of the um, conversations the medical advisory um, discusses, again, using average daily attendance as kind of a metric to begin to have conversations and look more closely at the data. Um, So when the school committee reviews Um, the recommended policy this evening, um, a key component to that policy is looking at average daily attendance over a three-week period. Um, And if the average daily attendance over a three-week period drops below 92%, um, basically it triggers a set of procedures to look more closely at the data. Um, It does not trigger... um, Making masks mandatory, it triggers a conversation and a closer look at the data from our team of experts. So again, absenteeism, which I just reviewed, um, you know, we had we did, we have had weeks where attendance has been lo- below ninety two percent. Uh, Melkin was five weeks twelve sixteen through uh, one nineteen. Trotter weeks paralleled that to Melkin. Northborough Elementary was six weeks, 12-2 to one twelve, 12 In Southborough Elementary, we had four weeks, which was 11-18 through 11-24 and 12-16 through 1-5. So I think it's important to talk about um, what happens if the mask requirement is lifted. Um, so I think in coordinates with DPH and DESE guidance, um, I think there's still strong recommended recommendation that unvaccinated individuals continue to mask um, and that the medical advisory team and the district will recommend that immunocompromised individuals continue to mask. Um, The medical advisory team and the district will recommend that vaccinated close contacts wear a mask while indoors uh, for 10 uh, days after exposure. And then lastly, recommend that those who have symptoms and have tested negative wear a mask until their symptoms resolve. I think in terms of um, what requirements will uh, remain in place if the mask mandate is lifted, um, first um, we have to follow DPH and DESE guidance and currently um, the district is requiring those returning on day six from isolation or quarantine to mask. Um, Masks are also required to be worn on the bus per uh, the Department of Elementary and Secondary Education guidelines. And lastly, um, it's required that masks be worn in the health offices of each of the schools. So I think throughout the the pandemic, I think the medical advisory team has um, helped the district identify a layered approach um, that there are many mitigation efforts and layers in place and that it's not any single layer, but it's the layers in combination that really provide additional um, protection and safety. Um, so, as we look at the layers that will remain in place if the mask mandate is lifted, and that is um, making sure that we have uh, good air quality. Um, we have HEPA filters in all the classrooms. Um, we have our HVAC systems um, exchanging air at the highest rate possible, and we also have asked our faculty and staff to leave windows cracked so that there is um, air exchange also we have um, again it's important that we have uh, good hygiene so good hand washing practices uh, amongst our faculty staff and students and uh, making sure that faculty staff and students and families are monitoring symptoms and that if a a student has symptoms that the family keeps the child home um, as an extra precautionary measure Um, we also have Um, testing. So we had pooled screening that's available once a week. And we've also added um, antigen testing as another option of testing each week. So families have an option to test uh, twice weekly um, with the current requirements. So what have we changed? Um, So we have changed um, some distancing and group work is allowed. So during uh, mid-December, we did um, go back to a more restrictive environment um, to try to stop the spread of Omicron. We are now back to more normal um, classroom environments where group work and um, grouping of students is is back to normal. Um, Contact tracing as we know it um, has changed um, per DESE and DPH. And and the medical advisory team and Mary Ellen and her team are continuing to monitor for clusters of cases. And what we've added, so again, we continue to um, provide weekly pooled screening on Mondays and at-home antigen testing on Thursdays. And um, this is a district requirement. We require a negative antigen test to return after shortened five-day isolation. So what we've continued to have the filters, as I mentioned, windows open, hand hygiene, um, again, some checking of all faculty, staff, and employees and students and stay home, and then screening is available. So those are the the main mitigation efforts that would remain in place um, if the mask mandate is lifted. Also, I think that it's important to note if the mask mandate is lifted, that masking is a choice. So many families and many uh, students will choose to continue to wear masking, and many families and many students will choose not to. And I think it's really important that we uh, continue to promote um, the choice, um, making sure that an individual's choice to mask or not mask is respected by all. Um, And as a leadership team and principals and educators, this is something that will be um, making sure that we instill in our students as we do in a normal environment. So in terms of the medical advisory team's recommendation, um, I'll read the recommendation and I'll stop sharing my screen and uh, open it up to questions. So the recommendations of the medical advisory team are to promote the health and safety of all students and staff and map, uh, minimize the negative impact of COVID-19 on students' education and so- social emotional well-being. The medical advisory team unanimously supports the recommended draft of the Southboro and Northboro School Committee face covering policy, which outlines criteria for lifting and reinstating the face covering requirement. Over the past three weeks, the average daily attendance rate has been greater than 92% and steadily um, trending up. At the same time, we have witnessed a steady decline in cases in the schools, in the towns, and in the country and state. If these tr- trends remain stable or improved, the Medical Advisory Team recommends that the Southboro-Northboro School Committee lift the face covering requirement at Travier Middle School, American Middle School effective February 28th, 2022, and for the elementary schools effective March 14th, 2022. And the district supports um, the medical advisory team's recommendation as well. So, a lot of information, and we have our experts here this evening to uh, answer any questions that you have. And I just will share: there have been many debates and many conversations around um, off ramps, on ramps, um, masking, not masking. And I can assure you that um, the medical advisory team and the district we want to um, move and remove these mitigation layers as quickly and as safely as possible. Um, that is our goal. There's no intention to keep these in place longer than we have to. So at this point in time, I will stop talking and turn it over to Lauren and um, Roger to facilitate questions.
0: Lauren, um, would you like me to to go ahead and lead this discussion? Yes, thank you, Roger. And, and my... Uh, I, I was remiss in thanking you, by the way, after we completed the public comment. Uh, thank you very much for leading us through that. That was very helpful. Of course. Um, You're welcome. OK, so, Kelly. I see your hand up.
13: Thanks, Roger. Um, thanks, Greg, for the presentation. Um, I really appreciate it. So I have a couple questions. I wrote them down looking at the things, but um, I don't know if you'll be able to answer them or if one of the medical advisory teams will be able to answer them, but um, the 92%, I was confused with how you get 92% and is it all of the schools? I noticed that some of the numbers for 92%, it was five cases versus other times, 92% was 59 cases. So is it the idea that there's, 59 cases, but not all those people were absent? You know, I I I didn't know.
6: Yeah, so I think it's it's, um, average daily attendance across the district um, over a three-week period. The 92% um, triggers the convening of the medical advisory team to analyze and look at the data. We might be at a 92% average daily attendance rate over a three-week period for nothing related to COVID-19.
0: Mm -hmm. However,
6: it's a it's a trigger to actually convene the medical advisory team and and look at the data more closely to see what's happening, and also um, kind of look at other trends of data outside of just average daily attendance.
13: Okay, so just because it had the line with the cases, that didn't mean the absences.
6: Those were the cases that week.
13: Those are the cases. And then separately, there's a percentage rate. So that's it. So then the other thing about the 92% is, does it make sense, especially in Northborough, when you're dealing with four different schools, does it make sense to have the percentages not be building base? Seeing that it seems like if you look at our numbers like some schools will have higher clusters than other schools and things like that does it make sense to group all those ages together all those schools together for northborough and southborough
6: yeah i think it's i think it's one metric mm-hmm. to initiate a, a more in-depth study of what's happening um with the data lauren so one one thing i don't want to uh, do is i don't want to be having you know, in Northborough there are seven schools, mm-hmm. so I, you, you know, are you, or there's four elementary schools and a middle school. Um, I want to look at the data aggregate and use that to trigger conversations with the medical advisory team, and maybe Safdar and Andrea can uh, answer any questions that folks have as well on this topic.
13: Okay, um, thank you. Uh... And then if they're taking off the masks, are other um, mitigation efforts gonna be added in? For example, social distancing. Like would the, you know, are you taking away the masks and then putting the kids back together at their lunch tables? Are you gonna keep them, let them work together in tight groups without masks? Or, Or by taking off the masks, are you then gonna pull the kids apart? and do more separation?
6: Yeah, so once the masks are lifted, um, you know, we're going to be returning to a more normal environment in classrooms. In the cafeterias, we are going to uh, wait a couple weeks. Um, We have some logistical challenges in terms of moving furniture around, but also we wanna make sure that um, we're not going to have to Um, We move all the cafeterias back to normal and then have to shift furniture quickly as a result of um, an increase in cases. So for the most part, once the mask mandate is lifted, um, the students' experiences are going to return to normal in the classroom and in school. And then we'll be monitoring what's happening.
13: Okay, great. And then um, would the pre-K, how would this Fall for the pre-k would that go within the south schools or would the masks be a separate topic for the pre-k is this just k through five and then um
5: six through eight or where does that fall
6: yeah so this would be a pre-k through uh, eight north and pre-k through eight south okay uh, and i think probably Dr. Medina and Dr. Sinella can speak to their early childhood and uh, pre preschool specifically.
13: Okay, great. Thank you. Uh, I'll wave to the next person. Thanks, Roger.
0: Um, All right, and by the way, uh, Dr. Medina, Dr. Sinella, I will try to keep my eye open to see if your hand goes up, because clearly, if it does, you know, I'd move you right in for the next comment. So feel free to to jump in uh, next I see Joan Frank uh,
14: thanks for Roger and also to Lauren thank you very much um, I just like to thank the that uh, spoke before the beginning of this meeting and also I see that we have 150 participants out there watching this most important meeting which is up there with the most important meeting we've had back in September of 20. Uh, 20 when we were reopening schools my question for you Greg is because the kids are going to have to have masks on the bus first thing in the morning when they enter when they get a dismissal also because they're going to have a mask when they go into the health office I know there's many kids that have to go in at different times for medications or when they get sick or they need medications inhalers will we be and i'm sure the answer is yes how are we going to be supplying mass because we have now kids of a different age level than the regional um how are we going to be supplying masks to them in case they lose it during the day they get up in the morning they're in a rush they go to the bus stop and they don't have a mask well we have Will the bus drivers do they have to have mask on you know it's a federal law mandate do Will there may be masks there will there be extra masks at the nurse's office
6: so yes to both those questions John. well i know keith works closely with NRT to make sure that our bus drivers have the materials and supplies and ppe they need so there'll be extra masks on buses and our nurses in our schools will have a supply of masks for students who enter the, the health offices
14: okay and then my last one is that I think it's very important is that at the policy meeting where I attended it as an audience member on Tuesday uh also you had asked for besides the MAT and their feedback you had also asked the teacher associations presidents uh David Finnerman from Southboro and Peter Olson from Northboro um I took the notes down what they had said the uh, how they felt about what was their feedback but Greg I didn't know if you wanted sometime at the conclusion of this I think it's very important for the people to hear what David Finnerman and Peter Olson had to say I did take notes but um, I think it should come from you if you and I'm sure you remember what they said
6: so I can share that I did ask if they'd like to be promoted as panelists and they said that I could speak on their behalf um, so uh, Peter Olson, who is uh, the President of the Northbrook Teachers Association, uh, made a simple statement and basically said that um, the association supports the recommendation of the medical advisory team and shared that the medical advisory team has made great decisions um, throughout this pandemic um, and they don't plan on um, taking any turns in direction. So they support the recommendation of the medical advisory team. David Fenneren, who is the President of the Southboro Teachers Association um, paralleled those comments and basically said that um, support that the Southboro Teachers Association supports the recommendation of the medical advisory team.
14: Thanks Greg because I think it's very important for the parents and also the other board members to hear um, their words of wisdom and their recommendation, thank you very much.
15: Roger, I can hear you, but I I think I can lip read that you said my name. Is that right? Can you
0: hear me now? Can you hear me now?
15: Yes, now I can hear you. Now I can hear you. Yeah. Okay. Thank you. Yeah, no problem. Um, Okay, so first, I just would like to thank everyone who spoke at the beginning of the meeting for their comments. I think um, I just really appreciate the thoughtfulness of everyone's comments and and the tone, I, I think that you know we've received a lot of communications from the public about this topic, and i just really personally appreciated the respectful, um, sort of thorough tone of everyone's comments. So it's been um, it's been really nice to see. Um, the first thing that I just want I just want to clarify this, and I'm sorry if I'm a little slow on the uptake, but the 92 percent is that? Are we going to average it across? The entire district. So if absenteeism across like all of the K to eight Northborough or pre K to eight Northborough, Southborough schools, if it gets below 92% across the whole district, then it would be reinstituting the thing district wide, or would it be, <clears throat> you know, town specific or school specific? How that part I, I didn't get.
6: So it would be uh, pre K to eight Southborough specific. Um, in terms of looking at daily average attendance. And again, it it doesn't implement uh, the adding of the face masking requirement. It it requires a process to be in place, which convenes the medical advisory team to look at the data more closely um, to determine what's happening, if it's something to be concerned about and to make a recommendation around what do we need to do next, if anything.
15: Okay, so if one school dips below 92%, Nothing is triggered as long as the, the district wide average.
6: Okay. Correct, and it's a three week average. That's a three week average. So over, you know, we'll have some indications of what's happening. Um, and again, one of the things that we did was we did a look back to see if we had this. If this um, was a metric that we were using in the past, what would it have triggered? Um, and in every instance when we saw an increase in cases, um, we saw a decline in. in in attendance, Um, so it was a good barometer of um, identifying that something is happening um, and a need to look more closely.
15: Okay, that's helpful. Thank you very much. Um, So I also had the same question about other mitigation measures, in particular, the distancing, how that was going to change, if at all. And um, I heard what you said about going, you know, anticipating going back to sort of normal lunch seating. I'm wondering a couple of things having to do with the students whose parents would like them to keep wearing masks, um, who will continue to be masked. Um, Will the seating at lunch be any different for those students? Will there be an option for them to sort of maintain distancing since that would be sort of the one scenario where they would need to have their mask off while in the building? Is that something we've
6: thought about or i don't know if that's yeah so it's so i think operationally we've had some preliminary conversations around the cafeteria keith i don't know if you want to kind of share our thinking um and then i think you know we need to work with our principals to see if there's an opportunity to have uh, spaces where children can social distance if that's something that would make them feel more safe
8: Yeah, I would echo that I think it is very much in the planning stages and thinking through what we would be able to offer and how we'd be able to do it. Each school is a little different and I know the principals. and certainly I will engage in those types of conversations I I see in no way that we wouldn't provide. uh, Some type of opportunity uh, for students like we would for any scenario to feel more comfortable, uh, especially while at lunch so that'll be part of the planning that we undertake in the next couple weeks
16: okay.
15: Um, And then I think going along with that, I assume that, um, you know, I know that now our wonderful teachers really are assisting the students with keeping their masks properly worn and all of that, and that would also be the case. I assume they would somehow know which students the parents are, you know, I mean, especially I'm thinking about the little ones who might not be able to go in and automatically know that they should be wearing their mask all day. And it's really their their parents who would like them to do that. So the teachers will know which students they should be assisting, I assume.
6: Yeah, I mean, I think we've had some preliminary conversations with, you know, do do teachers keep checklists of parents who want their kids to wear masks? So it's really, I don't think it's um, I don't think it's going to be feasible to have teachers kind of monitor who's supposed to wear masks or not i think it's going to be conversations with families and their children even young children and then having teachers create environments where um, students can make choices um, and help supporting students make those choices
15: mm-hmm. okay um, and my my last um question for now is could somebody speak to the recommendation to delay the lifting of the, you know, the, the change until March 14th for the K to K to um, five. I saw that in the presentation, but I don't think there was any sort of rationale articulated at this point. So that would be helpful to
17: hear. Thank you. Okay, I can start with that. Um, so I think one of the main reasons would be is to give our younger students more time to prepare for this significant change um they're going to have to learn how to be the environment um and be taught in a developmentally appropriate way why some students might be wearing masks and why some might not be and how to understand that difference um it also will align more um in anticipation of when it is possible that the federal bus mandate may be lifted in the middle of March. Um, and because then yet, yet that may be another transition for them. Because right now, as I see a lot of these elementary school children, there's a lot of steps between the bus taking it off. Maybe you have to go to the health office or different rules. And I think this would help them ease into that transition much more easily um, if we gave them the time to prepare. Um, I think the second thing is it'll give us two weeks to monitor the data in the middle and high schools as well. Um, A third thing would be that there are still families that may choose to uh, um, get start the vaccination series or give families the chance to finish the vaccination series if they've started it. Um, And, you know, I think as a district, we've always taken a phased in approach that has worked quite well, um, I think operationally as well. So and I'm sure that others can speak more to that.
0: I'll set. Okay, Jan. Thank
18: you, Saptar. Uh, Katurra really asked the main question that I had. That second part about the distance, uh, the difference between the two. I'm wondering: can is there any research or um, data that we can look at, or that you guys can talk about in terms of other districts um, or communities or other countries where they have? either kids have never worn masks or where they have removed masks and what has happened in terms of spread and infection rate as um, so I'm just curious if there's any data that we have on that
6: Andrea or Safdar, do you want to speak to that
16: um, that's a great question
19: I think You know, I think different countries have taken really different approaches to masking and different parts of the US have taken different approaches to masking. Um, And it's difficult to tease out the degree to which the masks themselves may have contributed to differences in in the outcomes that were studied. Um, Additionally, the outcomes that were studied are often really variable, so oftentimes you'll see reports of um, case counts in the school for example but it's really a marker of case counts in the community and oftentimes the masks were almost always last year the masks were combined with sort of full package of intervention that that Mr. Martino laid out Um, so um, a lot of the European countries have had kind of a more flexible masking approach overall where they take them off and then during surges put them back on um, and they do mask kind of differently by age group and grade level so I think it's hard to really tease that out locally. You know, we saw local districts nearby that um, went to flexible masking policies right before the holidays, um, and did well for a few weeks, and then Omicron came, and they had the same Omicron challenges that everybody had. So it's hard to know, that, you know. And then they put them back on, which I think is very appropriate. So I don't think we have great data, especially from local local districts nearby.
18: And as a follow up to that, I just wanted to ask too about, you know, those couple of spikes that we saw in our various schools, what did those spikes reflect spikes in our community rates too? in other words, do we think that the fact that kids were may have been wearing masks um, helped at all didn't, you know, did not make much of a difference, I guess so I'm saying like if they parallel the community rate yet. that would be one thing, but if they're higher or lower than the community rate, that might say a different thing. I'm not sure if I'm being clear, but I'm just wondering if, if those spikes
19: yeah, kind of what you mean.
7: mean.
18: I don't think we have
7: really the data to kind of
18: tease out
19: whether there was an additive effect compared to what was sort of being seen in the community at the same time. Um, so you know, was there, did it only reflect the community rate? Was there some safety from being in school with masks on or not? I think it's, it's um, kind of too hard to tell. Most of the peaks, though, did kind of follow the state and town peaks, but whether there's a difference in the magnitude of them, I think, is difficult to tell.
6: Thank you. The the only thing I would add is is that the districts who have lifted their mask mandates are at the high school level. Um, The mask mandate at the Desi level expires on February 28th. So really. I'm not aware of any elementary schools that have the 80 percent vaccination rate and have received DESE approval to lift masking. So this will be um, kind of the first data set that will be gathering around elementary students and in there for most the most part in the the middle school as well.
18: Will we be able to look at the data, too? I mean, I guess later I just I just interested in data. but. Of, like, the different vaccination rates. So, for example, some of the Southborough schools have a lot higher percent vaccination rates than Northborough schools. Will we be able to see if that impacts what happens after masking? Ms. Taylor, yes. thank you.
6: I, I will also add that I think, in terms of um, the spread that we, we've seen um, with students and, and families, and Saftar and, and Andrea can speak to this better than I can, was really uh, family transmission. Um, You know, it wasn't necessarily in school transmission, a lot of transmission was happening within the family, Um, and that's what Mary Ellen was reporting, um, where we saw the spread happening for the most part. Yeah, I mean, I think that's absolutely true, and not only in our
17: community, but I think in most cases, when pediatric cases were tracked, the majority were, were from household contacts. So I think our district mirrored what we saw in other parts of the state.
20: Please. thank you roger um my question is mostly just around the the timeline uh how much time will it take to go through steps kind of one through three um in the policy uh this, this is when we're looking at the hitting the 92 <clears> percent <throat> excuse me and then convening the data review etc and coming to a decision um that inflection point, right? Which then of course brings it to the committee down the road. So if you can give us a general sense of what that looks like, um, just, I honestly have no idea what that timeline looks like.
6: Yeah, so that work has already taken place. So we've already convened the medical advisory team and have kind of looked at the data that, and basically the medical advisory team's recommendation is after a review of that data. Um, so that has taken place already, Keith, uh, for the recommendation this evening. In terms of future, um, you know, I think I think in reverse, um, when the daily average attendance does um, go below 92%, the medical advisory team convenes. Um, and then after examining other data sets, determines that we should put uh, masks back on for a period of time. That gives the superintendent the um, permission to put masks back on until the next special school committee meeting Um, that needs to be scheduled and at that point in time data and a decision and uh, information would be presented for the school committee to make a decision around either to keep masks um, on or to um, not continue
20: yeah I guess I probably didn't state my question clearly about how long does it take to go through steps one through three
6: a a meeting I would say (laughs) so Not long. I
13: think he means like one day, two days, like a week.
6: So the medical advisory team has been very responsive in terms of we call them, they're able to convene rather quickly. So, um, you know, if Mary Ellen needs to convene the medical advisory team to review all this data, um, it can happen, you know, in in less than a day.
20: Okay. Will you continue a standing meeting through the end of the year? Is it weekly at the moment, Greg?
6: yes every tuesday
20: okay that's helpful thank you
1: You roger we had trouble hearing you can you repeat that
0: again uh keith can you hear me can you hear me hello yes now we can yes sorry i'm sorry um keith were you also asking about for example the time it takes to post a school committee meeting for example because we know that takes 48 hours Okay, you were not
20: oh steps one steps one through three are un were unknown to me greg has spoken to it at this point roger but how long does it take to convene data review etc and i think i have my answer to that i'm sorry thank you lauren
1: sorry thanks roger uh, my first question is either for Dr. Medina or Dr. Sierra Nello. Um, So I'm curious, um, I, I know that in the um, survey from the staff um, and also from families, uh, a common theme I saw was, um, you know, worrying about February 28th being right after February break. Um, And so I'm curious, uh, you know, I think, you know, as an educator myself, I think we sort of think, ooh, like right after December break, we sort of saw that big wave, right? And we saw a dip in attendance. So my question is, and maybe it's hard to answer, but, you know, with Omicron um, being the variant currently, uh, do you think that the holiday break had an effect on that attendance rate with, More cases, uh, or do you think, regardless of having a break or not, the rates would still have been pretty high and attendance rates would have been
7: pretty low?
17: I'll start. Um, I think, you know, right now, as if the data that we have shows that, you know, post holiday time has not led to a significant increase in cases at all. Um, And we can look back to last year's data, which again isn't completely comparable dealing with different variants and different vaccination rates certainly and different mitigation um strategies in society as a whole but um breaks do not seem to lead to to surges um i think part of it is that you know your risk of acquiring COVID 19 in in a place in massachusetts is probably not that different in a public place in massachusetts you know whether it's you know wherever you may go versus when you travel um and you know the timing of the christmas thing is interesting i do believe when you know mary ellen shared the data that it was actually the week of the break that was the spike which would have gone with the community omicron um spike that we saw so i think that the data doesn't really support waiting a week after a break given what we've collected and i do believe you know when we were doing strict travel testing i don't know the exact number but it was really insignificant as to the number of um, students that actually tested positive while they were in quarantine after travel so I hope Thank
1: that answers doctor, that. Yeah. It does, yeah. So just, I guess, for clarity, um, um, it, because the data shows um, more so that it was the Omicron and not, and not the break itself, um, then the reason for pushing back um, the elementary school students being allowed to take off their masks is more a social piece. Is that what you had said before?
17: Yeah, yeah, more of a social piece, and I think it just it gives that it gives us also some time to look at the middle in high school to see 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 what the effects of unmasking are, and again a catch up time for vaccines as well for anybody that needs to finish the series or anything like that. So a threefold basically reason, but not so much to relate to a break or anything like that.
18: Okay,
1: thank you. That clarifies a lot. Um, I am going to repeat a question that I heard. At um, the policy subcommittee meeting a couple nights ago, just for anyone listening, um, it might be helpful. Um, and I, I, I um, appreciate everyone who took the survey and mentioned um, the social emotional well being of our students. So I'm just wondering if Dr. Medina and Dr. Sierra Nello um, would like to speak at all about mass and social emotional health um, and uh, uh, that relationship.
17: Um, So I think, you know, when we look at data, that's a hard thing to measure um, simply because, A, there's a lot of things that affect the social, emotional well-being of children during the past two years, a pandemic itself, um, social isolation, the distancing itself from your peers, lack of playdates, lack of sports initially. So it's really hard to pinpoint masks as a sole reason. They certainly may be part of the entire big picture of kids social emotional well-being for sure. I think for the really really young children, you know, where they're learning communication skills and learning language, I think we can, you know, perhaps see more of an effect in terms of their development at that age. So, you know, in asking kids this age about how they feel about masks really doesn't really give you a validated answer, you know, in terms of they all say they hate them. But, you know, is it really the mask? Is it really something else causing the, the anxiety or some of the social emotional um, issues that we're seeing?
1: Thank you very much. Um, and then I just have one comment, Roger, about the wording of the policy. Do you want me to mention that now? Or is, that, is it an appropriate time?
0: Um, You're really going be welcome to do that. I know that the first thing we're going to do is have Greg take us through the actual, uh, covering policy so, sure. analysis, so I'll
1: hold my comments I'll hold my comment now
0: you'll, you'll take it through that right after uh, sure. um, the last uh, it looks like Jen is last up Jen are you
18: yeah I just had one follow-up question to about the younger kids so if we're saying I mean and I, I guess that I know that the because I've looked at the research too is pretty inconsistent too in terms of like the impact of masks on our younger kids but I mean, assuming that, you know, for reading and phonics and other things that people have mentioned, and potentially the fact that our youngest kids have the hardest time wearing masks properly, combined with the fact that they're wearing cloth masks, which may or may may not really be as effective, um, that makes me wonder about whether or not we should be prioritizing the younger students first um, because of these developmental concerns. I think you addressed it a little bit in terms of in terms of removing the mask, but Um, I think you addressed a little bit in that question of being able to prepare them, but uh, that was just my only comment, was that if, you know, if those things are accurate, that, you know, having another, an additional delay for the younger kids, if we're saying that we're removing it because of vaccination rates or community rates or those other things, which would be similar for, for the younger kids too. That's it.
6: So I will speak in, in, um to the social emotional well-being of our students i think that you know we have seen an increase of students who um have you know significant needs as a result of being in a pandemic for over a two-year period um, we have um, have students who, who are in crisis as, as a result of what they've experienced over the past two years um students who struggle uh, typically, we're seeing even greater struggles. So, it is something that we are mindful of and something that we are experiencing. In particular, I would say the fourth through eighth grade level, we're seeing um, more significant cases of um, students who need uh, support than we have seen in the past. Okay.
21: Molly is
0: your hand up.
21: It- yes, my hand is up. I see it, yes. All right. Um on that same uh note, the thought about waiting for um the pre-cake to five um, and needing that additional two weeks. Um, I guess some may feel that um you know that additional two weeks um is not necessary for the preparedness of those students to um, off-ramp from masking. If the suggestion is that we use the two weeks for monitoring or getting data and results from the older grades, I think that's a fair statement. But um, I think many in the community would say that um, for those that are preparing to um, not wear masks, they wouldn't need the, you know, from today the 17th through March 14th to to kind of get their families prepared to do that at that age group, right? I'm sure that they've like had those conversations um, over the last x amount of um, years. So um, that's kind of just a comment that I wanted to share there, um, and, and feel free to respond to that as well. Um, and then a question that I have for um, THE the MAT um, TEAM, CAN YOU TALK A LITTLE BIT ABOUT THE FAMILIES THAT ARE HIGH RISK, WHETHER IT'S THEM, THEMSELVES, LIKE THE ADULTS IN THE HOME, OR THE CHILDREN THAT ARE HIGH RISK AND and HAVE VULNERABLE UNDERLYING CONDITIONS, um, COULD YOU TALK ABOUT um, IF WE, IF THEY CONTINUE, THEY WOULD CONTINUE TO MASK AS THEIR PREFERENCE. how would you address those concerned about not having two-way masking right so it would just be that their students and not uh their peers what what would you say share to those families
16: Safra do
17: you want to take that um I think you know it's it certainly you know we all agree you know two-way masking does offer the best protection I think I think for those families where there are immunocompromised children or other family members, I think, you know, one of the most important tools we have is vaccination to prevent, you know, um, you know, severe illness and hospitalization. And the more people we can have vaccinated around our vulnerable kids, the better, you know, um, most adults who are um, immunocompromised are actually eligible for for their booster doses, and children who are immunocompromised are actually eligible for booster doses as well. Even though other children under twelve are not, children who are, who are immunocompromised are. So, I think there are other layers of mitigation for these families as well. Um, you know, certainly the 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 tighter fitting their mask is, the better they're protected as well. So, Andrea, whatever else I don't know, if you can add to that.
19: Yeah, maybe just a couple of facts. I think um, you know, Kamali. This for me is the main the main driver of my thinking about this. I think that it's just a key fundamental principle of public health that we all contribute an intervention to try to protect people who need it, um, and I think that's really important. I think there are a couple of there are a couple of things that have um, that have made me reassured, and I think that the Primary one is really that just that the case counts are coming down, and they're coming down so quickly. And actually, that was one of the reasons that we talked about in terms of waiting a couple of weeks. That um, you know the plummeting rate that we've seen in the last couple of weeks, we hope will continue, and I think the case counts will actually be very low in a couple of weeks. Um, and so, you know, um, some of the members of the community shared some data that was also really reassuring in terms of um, how can we protect people who maybe have gotten vaccinated but can't make a good immune response. Um, there are, as was mentioned, the oral antivirals now available. Not everyone who is immunocompromised can take them. So they interact with a lot of the medications, for example, that patients who've had a transplant might take. Um, There are monoclonal antibodies that people can get either as treatment for COVID in the outpatient setting or for prevention. And I think the prevention strategy has been a really important new one. Um, So, those for me were kind of game changers where I felt like what was it going to take until we, you know, what was it going to take for us to be at a place where we could start to relax a lot of these mitigation measures? I think that's a really important one. And I think just having case counts low enough that the risk is a lot lower is gonna be a really important contributing factor. I mean, if we think about things like the flu, um, people who are immunocompromised are at high risk for that as well, even if they're vaccinated. But in general, as a society, we haven't masked everyone during flu season. But that's, I think, a comparison that you can only make when the rates are low, because we also haven't had a flu season where like almost half the country has the flu in a two month period, you know? So it just has to get down to, to low rates. And I, I do think we're starting to get there, which has been really encouraging. Um, the other thing is around good fitting masks. I mean, they, they do work. They're not, it's true, it's not as effective if one person is masked as if both people are masked. Um, but I think really good fitting masks are really important um, and really can make
22: a big difference too. I could. Hi, everybody. Kamala, just to answer a few questions for the children who are immunocompromised, we would have accommodations for them as we do now um, for what they need to keep them as safe as we can. So what that would be in the classroom, whatever accommodations they would we would work with the nursing team for those accommodations um, and the educational team. Um, And I think that we need to remember that, that part of the two week delay was the whole social, emotional, the social stories about people making choices, not just about removing the mask, about you might see people making a choice and why they might make the choice and that we have to respect everybody's choice. So I think that's a big part is the social, emotional, the respecting other people's choices and doing all of that teaching in that time frame for the elementary grades.
19: Mm -hmm. And thanks, Mary Ellen, for bringing up the kids, because the information that I gave is really about adults. So a lot of those oral outpatient options are not available for children yet. So that is something people should know.
21: Um, Well, I I just want to thank you all. I mean, I feel like your your commitment over these past two years has really been helpful. Um, Thanks for the the recommendation you gave tonight and all the supporting information. Um, It's been really. Um, helpful in um, you know helping us to make a decision that supports the uh, members of the community. I know that um, via email or the comments from the survey or voices shared tonight. Um, you know, some may be concerned that we're following uh, one thing or the other, but I can um, say that I think that we're both. Um, adhering to listening to science, as well as opinions, as well as the input of people's personal experiences and our own lived experiences as uh, members of the community. So I don't think it's a one, either or, that you should listen to, you know, use one or the other to form an opinion or, or make a decision on this policy. I think that um, we have a lot of information to use all of them to, to make a decision on this policy. And um, I just want to thank you guys for, you know, everything that you've contributed, voluntarily, um, weekly, and um, we appreciate that, so thank you.
0: All right, is your hand still up? Hmm. All right. Sorry
22: about that, Roger.
0: Well, that's okay so you were are you all all set or did you want to add something
22: I think I'm all set I think it's been everything's been covered pretty well by dr. Sierenaella dr. Medina and mr. Martin
0: um, I agree and I'd also like to thank uh, medical advisory team not just the folks that are on camera right now but the whole whole team for their uh, voluntary efforts uh, you can hear me or not uh, did you Oh, you got thumbs up. (laughs) All right. Um, Next, uh, I'd like to ask Superintendent Martin to take us through the policy, if you would, please.
6: Sure. So I'll go through the policy and um, highlight some of the key changes. So Um, First, the essence of the policy remains the same, and it's really um, to provide a safe environment in schools, um, and then making sure we can continue with in-person learning. That was one of the essential uh, components of the face covering policy. Um, A face covering policy must be worn by all individuals in school buildings and on school transportation. Um, masks are required pre-K through 12 and all district employees, visitors in violation of this policy will be denied entry to the school district facility. Um, In terms of religious exemptions, um, the request for exemption will be reviewed uh, for approval by the district wellness coordinator and nurse leader um, and the district physician. And when there is a face covering policy requirement in place, face coverings will be re- not required while students, faculty, and staff are eating or drinking or while outdoors. Um, in terms of providing um, face covering, so students' mask or face covering is to be provided by the student's family, although the district will supply surgical masks uh, on site for uh, students who need them. And the district will also supply masks for all staff members. Um, and the district will provide guidelines and requirements regarding the quality and type of masks required, and retains the right to maintain these standards um, and to verify compliance. Um, if there is a violation of the policy, when this is in place, um, you know the building principal will consult with parents, guardians, to de- determine whether an exception, exemption is appropriate, or if additional education is needed, or if accommodations need to be made or if the student should be removed from the school building until such a time as they can comply with a requirement or the requirement is lifted. So the next section is really where um, most of the new information exists. Uh, So when the average daily attendance exceeds 92% over a three-week period, the superintendent will uh, convene the medical advisory team to read the data, um, consult with a local Board of Health director or agent for their approval. Um, I'll just point out that our medical advisory team does also consist of members of the Board of Health, uh, both in Northborough and Southboro. And lastly, a, me- uh, a recommendation will be made to the school committee to lift the face covering requirement. So in terms of um for this evening's purpose and for the school committee's decision um again we're providing you with the data to to make an informed decision um the lifting of the face covering requirement may be differentiated by grade level spans um again the medical advisory team's recommendation and the recommendation the district supports talks about um pre-k through five on march 14th and then six through eight on february 28th And this is the discussion in this point of the policy where we discuss what happens if the daily average attendance falls below 92%. 92%. So falls below 92% over a one week period, or if other unforeseen circumstances warrant, um, the superintendent will convene the medical advisory team to review the data, We consult with the local board of health director or agent for um, their approval, um looking at the procedure for face covering policy data review so there's a lot of data that the medical advisory team would look at and then make a decision to reinstate the face covering requirement until the school committee convenes um, and then typically that is a 48-hour turnaround time in terms of um, open meeting law and posting requirements we call a special meeting at that time the superintendent would make a recommendation to the school committee Um, at the meeting and ask the school committee to vote on the decision and then lastly during the absence of the face mask requirement um, the district will adhere to the massachusetts department of elementary and secondary education and the massachusetts department of public health guidelines regarding face coverings and we spoke of a few examples um, for example buses is one that's in place currently so that is kind of a uh, high level overview of the policy i'm going to stop sharing my screen and um answer any questions um I did i miss okay. keith
0: i'm sorry did I miss you? yes keith
1: was before me
0: sorry i'm sorry my apologies keith thank you
20: um thanks greg uh this is probably a a question for um, you or Mary-Allen so the the kind of default is masking and it's for students employees and visitors and the intro of the policy and then of course we made some changes uh, further down which you just reviewed so my question is when when a change is made does it apply to this the students the employees and the visitors at that building or grade level so it applies to everybody at once okay so if for example the mandates lifted on february 28th and i as a melican parent go to melican then at least at that point in time there's no mass mandate even for me as a visitor
6: it would be a choice
20: sure no no mandate choice okay um i think i thought i had another question but I lost it, so I'll, I'll let Lauren go. And if it, if it comes back, we'll address it. Thank you.
1: Great. Uh, thank you so much. I was just curious about um, more of a wording um, for the first set of numbers where um, we talk about attendance rates and if it's over 92%. Um, so I was just curious if we thought perhaps a step four was necessary where we actually vote. I see that there's a vote um, to vote on the decision for if we fall below 92%, uh, but there's no voting listed for lifting. And that's, um, yeah. So I guess that was just my comment. You know, it says that the superintendent will make a recommendation to the committee. And Greg, you're muted. Greg, we just can't hear you.
6: I mean, we could add a step four, um, but I think it is inferred that when I make a recommendation to the school committee, that it would, would need to vote that recommendation is that what you're asking for yes
1: because uh mostly because the step four in the in the paragraph below says make a recommendation and then ask the school committee to vote on it so i just thought it would make sense um to have the step five um so that's just something i wanted to sort of bring into discussion
0: degrees
1: pardon roger you hear me um, muffled, but yes. How about now? Yes, that's a little bit better.
0: Unbelievable. It's, uh, are you suggesting that the make a recommendation implies that there would be a vote? Because if that's true, if I potentially you could accomplish what Lauren is suggesting by deleting step five from the second grouping. But I don't know how the committees are going to feel either way, but it probably should be consistent. Um, shall I move on to the next um, next speaker, Lauren? Um,
1: I just have one more comment about the policy. Um, so the last paragraph where we talk about, I think it's CPH and DESE um, recommendations. I think that we had a conversation at the policy subcommittee meeting about how students who I think are tested positive, if they return on day six, they still have to mask. Can someone refresh my memory about that and whether we think that this wording uh, covers that, um, that protocol?
22: I can speak to that. Um, so I've, that is guidelines from the Department of Public Health to mask for day six to 10 and from DESE. So it would be covered. That and along with um, the recommendation for unvaccinated people to mask um, the recommendation for people who are vaccinated close contacts to mask for 10 days. Um, all of those recommendations that Mr. Martino went through in his presentation all fall under the Department of Public Health and DESE guidelines.
1: Excellent. Thank you, Mary Ellen. I'm all set, Roger. Thank you. Well, can you hear me, more? Yes, I can. Oh,
0: um, based on my comment, potentially you could accomplish the same thing by deleting a line or or adding a line do you have a, a feeling why you'd like to see it because I'm not sure we have to go if, if it's complied, we don't have to make a change but if if not then we we have to make a change which I suspect right. that requires an amendment
1: um yeah I if if our committees agree about um making it consistent then um I think that I would be equally um fine with either deleting the number five or just adding a number four up above and saying ask the school committee to vote on the decision
0: um can I ask if anyone objects to um I'm just going to make a general question I'm looking at looking at I see Kelly's hand is up and Kim's hand is up and um well, let's go ahead and finish those. I'll
16: finish the comments before I ask this question. Kim? Uh, yeah, I just have a couple of questions. Um, the first one is, does the district plan on maintaining the dashboard? And if so, would this student daily attendance be reported out each week?
22: Sure, if that's what you want. That's, that will be helpful. We can definitely do that. You can add another column we're not doing contact tracing so we could add attendance in instead of contact tracing numbers Um, and we are we will continue with the dashboard.
16: Okay, Um, thanks, and then the other question I have is the link for procedure for face covering policy data review is that like actually in the policy that we're approving or is that sort of outside of that.
6: So that is procedural um it just outlines the procedure so if that needed to change or we need to add a data set to that or change the procedure um we we could without having to change the policy
16: okay and would would um if it was changed can it like would you would you come back to us if it was changed or is that something like it's really more operational and this is just fyi
6: it's more an FIS to give uh, the committee an understanding what that process would look like from the medical advisory team, and what other data the yep. medical advisory team would look at.
16: Okay, okay, great. That's my questions.
13: Kelly, thanks, Roger. Um, question about during the slideshow, you had they had recommendations. Um, Some of the things they had was, you know, if you don't have, if you're unvaccinated, you should wear a mask. If, you know, you're different things, would that be linked somewhere in this policy for criteria? Is that going to be posted somewhere? And then the other thing is kind of like what um, I think Lauren asked about the last paragraph about the DESI in the public health guidelines should we have a link to those guidelines? Should there be an active link so people can access those guidelines? I can't hear you, Greg, sorry.
6: Mary Ellen. do you wanna take the first question?
22: Sure, so all of those recommendations, I think we could put them on a um, document. They all fall under the DESE and DPH guidelines, but I think it could be easily a document. I don't think I would, attach it, it'll just be um, an informational piece, you know, on our website, like Mm -hmm. if the mask um, requirement is lifted, these are the times when we would recommend people wear masks and these are the times that it's required in accordance with DPH and DESE.
13: I think that'd be helpful. Thank you.
22: Greg, you want to take the next part about linking?
6: Yeah, I I think that um, I think one of the things we just have to be careful when we're looking at policy is um, links change so um, you know they become outdated so uh, my recommendation would be that the DESE websites and um, the DPH websites we could put on our kind of our guidelines as links, but not put it in the policy as a link because, um, again, if it changes and then it's just outdated. But we could keep up with it from the guideline standpoint.
13: Thank you.
20: Um, when I read this, and I, I know i provided this feedback uh, to you, Greg, I struggled with the on the the part where it has a ninety two percent right in the middle of the screen here about the one week period. I what was going through my mind was the the drop in attendance should be linked to COVID 19 or respiratory illness Um, now i listened to the policy meeting or perhaps it was regional um last night and i know mr kalenda addressed this with with the central office um and the the answer basically is that it's in the data review policy um so i still would prefer a direct link in the policy um just because the procedure can is not something under our purview and it's something that can change and shift however i'm not uh, i'm not opposed to um supporting the policy as written i just want to make it known that i struggled with the fact that there wasn't a direct link in the policy um because i feel that that link is actually quite critical um, to the way the policy is operationalized and the way that it cascades to a procedure and, and put into practice. So at the moment, I feel as is the wording requires that trust, um, which, of course, the central office has, has earned in the medical advisory team. So the trust is there. But um, I would have preferred, you know, if, if it, when this was in development to see a direct link made within the policy.
6: Can I just clarify your comment, uh, Mr. Labelle? So this procedure for face covering policy data review—that link um, to keep that in the policy.
20: Well, I certainly i oops, sorry, I'm doing my hand and not my mic. I'm good. Um, no, I think it's great that it's there. I think it's very helpful um, because honestly, at the moment, it provides the information that is kind of in my view, a bit missing from the wording of the policy, which is that there's a link between the drop in attendance and respiratory illness, so that it's not just a data anomaly that's creating that. However, I'm, I'm in understanding that that is the process, the procedure that will be followed. And so I guess what I'm saying is, it's not my preferred um, kind of wording on, on this section, but um, it is, uh, you know, I think it's workable as well.
6: could I make a suggestion? So we could convene the medical advisory team to review the data following the procedure for face covering policy data review and have that linked. And then it's it's all in one place. I'm not opposed to keeping it linked.
13: Keith, through the chair clarification, do you mean, are you talking more of like the 92% due to respiratory things are you saying like adding like that clarification versus absence is that what you're talking about Keith? that's yeah, what i'm w- thinking you're talking yep. about
20: when i was reading it i found myself coming back to that link and perhaps you know if there's something else happening with attendance uh, mr kalenda gave the example of um i think it was even acknowledged like um seniors visiting You know, schools the week before things get like there's things that can kind of um, push things around. But I also understand that 92% is significant. Um, And especially uh, Greg said earlier in this meeting, it's being aggregated. Um, So again, I'm not saying I'm, I'm not in support of it as is. Um, I just wanted to give that comment out there for everybody's benefit. I'm all set Roger. Thank you. Do we lose Roger?
21: Roger, we can't hear you right now. How about now? Can you hear me now? Yes. Can you hear me?
0: Uh,
7: Aaron. Keith, I have to agree with you. I shared the same concerns at the sub, um, policy subcommittee meeting on Tuesday, that making sure that that attendance rate is directly related to COVID or medical or respiratory illness and not, like you said, college visits, family vacations, whatever it may be. And Mary Ellen may be able to clarify as she did for me on Tuesday that, you know, that would be part of the medical advisory team job is to really look at why are we seeing that dip and not just have a knee jerk reaction that there's a dip let's put the masks back on um because i agree i think it probably originally should have said something that this needs to be directly linked to COVID. um but mary ellen definitely explained it that that would be part of this review and and that they would kind of weed out you know the kids that they knew were on vacation or off for other reasons. So I don't know if Mary Ellen can maybe clarify for you as well, but she definitely <clears throat> did clarify that on Tuesday. I can try. Um, <laughs> I, wish, I wish I knew what I said on Tuesday. No, I, <laughs> I, I, was think good. That,
22: I think that when we, if you look to the procedure, Keith, when we get to that 92%, the procedure says we're gonna look at the case rates and the trends. So there are times when we go through that, count. when Greg went through the dates, like it was 91.9 and there was two cases. So we're knowing that 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 absenteeism isn't due to COVID at that time. So I think that the very first thing it says in the procedures that we'll look at the case counts in the schools and the trends. And then we go to the case counts in the town. And then, you know, we look at the bigger picture as we look at all the data to see if this is anomaly, to see if it's senior skip day, to see if it's college visits, to see if there was a threat in the community and people felt unsafe coming to school. So they kept their students home. If it was a day before um, a break, you know, we have more people that take the days off. So there are those days. So that's the very first thing is we look at the case counts. To do this, and the percentage is something. Looking at absenteeism and the percent, the attendance percentage is something that happened pre-COVID. I just want everybody to know that. Like the nurses watch the attendance. If the attendance reached a certain amount, like if it reached ninety-three percent or like a seven percent absentee rate, we would look at the cases. We would. Uh, we that's why we ask people to report why their students are absent um, when they call in so that we can do that like we do during flu season. Before COVID, we would do it during flu season. If we got to a certain percentage, we would call the Department of Public Health and ask for their advice. So this is something that's been going on pre-COVID. Um, it never warranted masking that we knew, but it might have warranted like I think there were times when schools were thinking of you know, taking a day off and cleaning the whole school and things like that. So. Um, I hope that helps answer the question a little bit. If not, I'll be happy to expand if I can.
20: Um, yeah, I'm actually, Maryland. that's helpful. I appreciate that. I'm actually not even disputing that, that procedure. I've read the procedure um, that's linked. It, it was really more so a comment around the fact that there was no link to um, that critical element, which is that the absences are kind of attributed to COVID-19. Um, in the policy but i think we can put this behind mm-hmm. us aaron pretty much echoed the same thing um it, it's more proce- it's procedural in the sense that it's it you know that doesn't appear in the language of the policy
16: Thank i'm actually all said i i think we just covered everything i was going to ask or say um all right
0: uh, I JUST WANT TO CONFIRM SOMETHING, GREG. SO EACH COMMITTEE WILL VOTE ON THE POLICY. I THINK THE POLICIES MAY BE DIFFERENT NUMBERS. Um, AND EACH COMMITTEE HAS TWO VOTES. THEY'RE VOTING ON THE POLICY, AND THEY'RE VOTING ON YOUR RECOMMENDATION. AM I CORRECT ON THAT?
6: TWO MOTIONS WOULD NEED TO BE MADE. SO a, A MOTION TO APPROVE THE POLICY. And then, and then, a separate motion um, to lift the um, face covering requirement um, because the criteria has, has been met. And then the committee has a decision to either decide to do it all on one date, February twenty eighth, or tier it as recommended by the medical advisory team.
1: Um, and Roger, just to jump in before we continue, I did notice um, that Kamali had her hand up um, right as you were transitioning to this.
21: I don't know, thank you. I was just going to move that we um, go get to the next stage.
1: Perfect. Thanks, Kamali.
21: Um, so, Lauren, I guess I would probably
0: ask uh, you to. Um, manage the northborough vote we would we're going to try to echo well certainly intend to try to to try to echo uh your votes but uh Northboro always comes before Southboro in these alphabetically so i'm sorry sure. referring to you absolutely
13: um, it's, roger did you want to ask about amending something first you were going to take a poll uh, on that before
0: here, so, so here's what i think i think that if if lauren so because there's not a motion on the floor yet i think it would be perfectly acceptable if lauren feels it's necessary at this point she may not um to simply make the motion with and as a part of the motion would be with uh, a line added or a line deleted so we don't really have to take it through a motion and an amendment because she could certainly do it in the motion if she if she chooses
1: thank you um so that being said i'm actually going to just open up to any motion from any northborough school committee um, who feels um, that they're ready i see that joan has her hand up so joan please make your motion
14: okay um i'm going to make the motion that we accept the revised face coverings policy a-170 with the addition of um, under um, with addition of an extra bullet number four um, under the one two three four five six at the seventh paragraph that begins when the average student daily attendance exceeds ninety two percent over a three week period the superintendent will make an addition for number four which would be ask the school committee to vote on the decision.
1: Thank you, Joan. We have a motion. Second, Do we have Aaron. Perfect. I can hear that Joan made a motion and Aaron seconded. Um, before we head to discussion, um, Roger, would you like to hear a motion from Southborough? Sure. Uh, would someone like to make? And it could be um, as as
0: moved by Northborough.
21: This is Kamali. I'd like to. Oh, there's some hands raised. This is Kamali. I'd like to um, second the motion as moved by Northborough. I think you need to just to make, to make the motion. Make the same motion as to approve the policy A one seventy or A one. So
1: Kamali, I think. You don't have to restate the whole
21: thing just <laughs> said the word
1: second uh so just don't say the word second so if you just say i would like to make the same motion as north row <laughs>
21: okay i would like to make the same motion as north borough
3: second Kim. all
0: right so we move on to discussion if there's any further discussion this is for the policy this is for uh, approving the policy
1: um yeah I think I think that is important just to sort of maybe have like a summary conversation at least maybe to get my thoughts out um I think that um it's it's been an an interesting two years to be a school committee member um, and to sort of have these decisions sort of fall onto our laps one sort of had to make them and and school committees uh, sort of sort of drew the short straw in that um But I think that what's really helped this process is the community involvement and having the community reach out to um, the the school committee members, um, participate in audience sharing. Um, It's been really, really helpful to hear from the medical advisory team. Um, I think that our work really is informed by them. uh, typically, school committee members are not medical professionals. However, I know Erin is, <laughs> um, and uh, because of that, we really could not be doing this work tonight, and we could not be making a fully informed decision. So, uh, with that being said, I I feel confident in the discussion that has taken place. I think that we have reviewed the data, um, we have listened to a lot of different opinions um, as well as anecdotal. Um, stories as well. Um, so, I guess what I'm trying to say is, um, although there are a lot of different feelings and opinions and thoughts um, about this process, I do think that we have done our due diligence, um, and I'm proud of the work that we have done tonight. So, thank you. Well,
0: are you ready, are you ready to take Northborough vote?
1: Um, it looks like we have further discussion from Kelly. So oh, I'll yeah. defer to
13: Kelly. Um, so, I, and I could be way overthinking this, but so this is the face cover covering policy. And in the second line, it's about, it says the COVID-19 pandemic. Do we foresee that in time going ahead, we would ever potentially need to wear face masks again? And if we do, should we take that COVID-19 pandemic line out and just have a standard face covering policy, knowing that it would be added or subtracted due to the health regulations and things like that? I know this is the first time in our life that we're dealing with this, but who's to say in years to come, there might not be a different pandemic. And then do we have to go back and edit it and all that? just
7: thought
1: (laughs) so i guess i'll just respond to that um i think that you know uh i think that we'll have time to respond in um in uh, a timeline that would um be proactive if that were to ever be the case um we had time to act during this pandemic. So I I feel like the the
16: wording as is is okay. I think I think I think you're right, Kelly. But I also think that it is okay in this um, because we have the process of like, you know, the subcommittee can bring it up um, at any time. Right. So I think, considering like what we're dealing with right now, it's like appropriate. Uh, I also I actually
0: uh, your comment. I, I would agree with Lauren. Do uh, we can hear me? No. Yes. No. Yeah, we me? can hear
1: you, Roger. Thank well,
0: you. Uh, thank you for uh, waving at me, Kelly. <laughs> um, so. I think I think that to to anticipate uh, something different happening that would be significant enough to cause us to go back to masking unrelated to COVID, I think that there would probably be enough an, enough things that we would want to deal with so that going through an adjustment to a masking policy would probably be appropriate at the time anyway. Um, but I think it was a good a good, a good comment. I know I notice.
14: I see Jones hand up. Um, thanks, Roger. Uh, in response to Kelly, I think, Kelly, it's it, it's a it's a good thought, but I don't think we need to change it. If there would happen to become another pandemic or something, another medical condition that comes up, that would be the time to look at this policy and then make another revision to it that would be under the current standards of what that committee is. Looking at in the community and the medical staff at that point so that would be as the other people other committee members have been saying is we would be looking at it at another policy subcommittee and making the revisions and the superintendent and Nancy Bissett and Cheryl are, are always on top of these policies along with the policy subcommittees of all the sub school committees uh, Roger I have another question um, was this the motion that I made did we get a second from south from northborough
1: yes we did Erin gave the second
14: yeah, right. oh, okay thank you i just wanted to make sure thank you
0: Are you ready to, to have a vote northborough yes all
1: right so we do have a motion on the table and a second just sort of to review it is to accept this policy however with the um Amended wording that Joan mentioned. So this is going to be a roll call vote. Uh, Ms. Frank?
18: Yes. Um, Ms. Gannett? Yes.
1: Ms. Tagley Ferry? Yes. And Mr. LaBelle? Yes. And myself, Lauren Bailey Jones, is yes. So the policy with the um, amended wording is approved. Well, let, me, uh, let
7: me
0: move to the out for a vote. You can hear me. Um, and I just like to, uh, I guess i to, I'd like to add to the, to the comment that Lauren made about the last two years and uh, certainly agree with everything she said regarding the community input and how uh, helpful that's been um, to take us through this, this uh, process that no one's ever been through before as, as school committee members. And, you know, also, again, um, we're so fortunate to have the medical advisory team involved in this because I think that's also um, something that would have made it very difficult for us to get through this process. And I'd also like to add, um, I'm sure Lauren will agree, the efforts of the district and the district staff, um, including the teachers, uh, you know, there's been people THAT HAVE WORKED SO MANY EXTREMELY LONG HOURS AND WILL CONTINUE TO DO SO. AND um, IT'S ALMOST BEEN A PARTNERSHIP, I THINK, um, YOU KNOW, WITH SCHOOL COMMITTEES TO HELP EVERYONE GET THROUGH THIS. SO JUST LIKE TO THANK EVERYONE uh, FOR THAT. Um, SO WE'VE GOT A MOTION ON THE FLOOR THAT WAS MADE BY KAMALI AND SECONDED BY KIM. Uh, I don't see any hands up for comment, so this would be a roll call vote. Um, Kim. Yes. Situra. Yes. Komali?
18: Yes.
0: And Jennifer. Yes. I vote yes. So that's unanimous. Lauren, I think we're going to move to the next vote, uh, which would be to approve the recommendation so i'll turn it back to you
1: all right thank you uh, so i am looking for um, some type of motion about um, approving the recommendation um, that is listed in the the policy that we just approved uh, so i'm going to go to mr labelle
20: uh thank you lauren um perhaps this shouldn't be seconded until we get a nod from greg to make sure the wording's correct because then we'll have to we'll have to redo it but i would like uh I move that the Northborough School Committee accept Superintendent Martineau's recommendation that the to lift the face covering requirement for Melikin Middle School effective February 28 2022 and for the elementary schools of Northboro effective March 14
14: 2022.
1: Second. Thank you, we have a motion by Keith and second by Joan. I'm going to move to Roger before we open discussion.
20: Did we capture the right components before we replicate? Okay. Thank you.
0: Roger, we
1: actually can't hear you. Hello. Um, no? Not really. really. Sorry. Yes. Yes. Sorry about that. I need to throw this around, I
0: think. Um, because we have uh, in the motion for Northboro Trotter, um, I'm sorry, Melican Middle School, we would need to have a, um, I guess, a similar motion or a motion um, as as moved by as moved by Northboro with the words Melican Middle School replaced by Trottier Middle School, the generic, the elementary. Uh, schools were generic. So, it, is there a so moved for that from anyone? Can you still hear me? Yeah,
15: okay. we, we hear you. Okay.
7: Roger. Still-
15: so moved.
0: So moved by katura and this is the this is the Northborough motion with Melican Middle School replaced by Trotter Middle School. Is there a second?
18: i'll second jen
0: seconded by jen okay lauren
1: yes so uh, Northborough school committee members any
13: discussion kelly thanks lauren um i just want to say that i i know we're going to have mixed reviews and mixed um, feelings from the community about that. I know there was a a heavy push communicated to the school committee that they wanted the masks removed immediately for all grades. Um, I wanna say that the reason I feel that confident in this vote, in this decision on having Melican go forward and waiting for the elementary school a little longer is um, as Dr. Medina said with the transitions and the preparing for the kids and getting them ready for it. I know personally talking to my kids about going, you know, taking masks out and I've got one, my child is very anxious about it. She goes, what do you mean? We don't have to wear masks anymore. What, I, I don't know. What does that mean? So if we were to tell them they don't have to wear masks and then find out in a couple of weeks, Oh, you got to wear masks then and not, I feel like it, it would be harder for transitioning for the kids So to wait a little extra time, see if there's any extra guidance from the state, relieving some other issues with the buses and things like that, preparing the kids that they can have the the choice and not to make fun of kids who want to wear it and not. I think all that stuff is is really good. And, you know, maybe it could have been moved up a week if we weren't going into February vacation. Um, But since we do have this week off, you know, March 14th is really only two weeks back from vacation, and I think you know it's it's a good timing for them, so thank you.
1: Um, so, uh, Roger, would you like North Road to speak first, or do you want to just open this up to both committees.
0: We can actually, actually, we can ask for a comment uh, on the motion from Southampton, does anyone have, uh, you know, uh committee members on this one?
1: Yes, Kamali has her hand raised.
0: Oh, Kamali,
21: yes. Yeah. Um, so I, um, I um, understand all the inputs um, I still feel that um, we don't uh, need to um, wait until the 14th um, basically like you know the, 11th, the after the 11th um, I would be um, kind of um, I res- I'm respecting the, feedback and the input from the medical advisory team and knowing that the administration is saying that they need that much additional time to help to transition and come have those conversations with the students um, and so I would I'm I would support I'm supporting that feedback that I'm receiving from them because they have to execute and monitor but um, I have having listed into the feedback from uh, the emails and the uh, commentary, as well as looking at the, uh, you know, all the articles from the scientists, Um, I think that um, the pre-K through fifth would be okay if we did not um, wait until the 11th to give them the permission to unmask so um you know that's just my that's my personal stance and i think that um you know as of tonight's meeting i will um kind of listen listening to the feedback from mat and the administrators and the you know I would go with the vote of of giving, of going, and waiting those additional two. You can see I'm stumbling over my words because I'm so, you know, hesitant here. But um, I just kind of wanted to share that. And um, the second point, separate of that, is that I want to say, um, you know, I empathize so strongly for those that are not going to be happy with the direction that this decision goes. Um, I don't want anyone to kind of mistake some of the um, thanks that we're saying for the past two years of work, as if any of us um, feel that the pandemic is over. We're still in a pandemic, I understand that. For those of us that have lost people, um, people that have passed away that are no longer here, we understand like the real impact of this. Um, although the numbers are small when it affects you personally, um, it, it's, it's, you know, it's not something that you can go backwards from. So um i say that all to say that you know i respect those that are not going to be um pleased with the decision going forward and um you know i i i respect everyone's decision that they're going to make um and um i hope that they will appreciate and respect the decision that we're going to make here tonight
13: Thank you, Lauren. Thank you. Um, Roger go back to where you were talking and hit that spot every time it's perfect
7: right here, right
13: there, right there. Yes. Roger lean. <laughs> uh, so
1: I just wanted to thank Kamali for her comments, um, I think that um, they were um, definitely. Uh, very inclusive of a lot of um, different viewpoints. Um, And I find myself, um, I think, agreeing with the idea about two weeks for our youngest learners versus maybe a week um, timeline um, past the 28th, um, which sort of surprises me because I am admittedly, very much a pro-masker. I've been pretty diligent this entire pandemic. Um, and even you know, when it's lifted as a teacher, I will continue to wear my mask for my own um, circumstances, having um, an infant daughter at home who cannot be vaccinated at this time. But um, at the same point, I'm fine. Uh, you know, I think that the community members um, who um, spoke, as well as some of the educators in the survey, um, did speak a lot about uh, you know, why they think that um, their younger students um, need to uh, have the option to unmask. Um, and I did also hear the reasons, especially from the medical advisory team about um, the reason for delaying um, unmasking, um, for social stories um, and to sort of look at the trends. Um, so I guess what I'm saying is I'm sort of waffling here in that timeline um, because I see sort of uh, I see reasons to sort of delay unmasking and reasons to um, sort of maybe uh, bring that timeline up a little bit further so that's just sort of what I wanted to say um, I do see that Mr. Martineau has his hand raised Roger I just wanted to let you know
6: am I in the right place Mr. Martineau Yes, yeah, so I just want to I just want to make a general comment that you know our our job um, in terms of the central office leadership team is to provide the school committee with good information to make an informed decision. We will we will support and implement whatever decision is made, um, whether it is to lift mask pre K through you know eight on February twenty eighth march 7th march 14th march 21st so i just think it's important to understand that that we've made our recommendation we've provided information um but but we also understand that it's under the purview of the school committee and we will also support the school committee's decision um, as the school committee has supported our decisions along the way Um.
14: Uh, thanks Roger. Um the re- my reason for supporting the phasing in of the le- lift masking and for seconding the motion was that we were at the same place at the end of August 2020 when we were reopening up the schools and and that deep meeting that had a lot of good communication and dialogue just as we're having tonight was the phasing in of the reopening of schools and we did it with the high school first we did it with the middle school and we did it with the elementary and that proved to be very su- successful and that was the first time we ever had done anything like that where we had it on a tiered approach and it worked so well and another reason for me to support the phasing in of the lift masking is that a former elementary education teacher i can see a lot of good dialogue that is going to happen after our winter break Up until march 14th of the elementary teachers in open dialogue in open circles uh, and educating the uh, students at the elementary level why they may see some students having a mask on why today they may not have a mask Mm -hmm. on when they come back march 14th that they may have another mask on if something would happen in the future so I see it as good dialogue going on and that will allow our teachers at the elementary level to continue the good education communication and teaching of the importance of lifting the mask and why some students may have to wear them and some students may choose the majority may not have it on so that is the reason to support the tiered approach
0: Are there other comments, Northboro or Can you hear me? Yes, okay. we can hear you. Um, Lauren, I'll, I'll turn it back to you for the Northboro vote.
1: Sure, absolutely. Um, so we had a motion, um, I believe it was from Mr. LaBelle, um, to accept the recommendation um, put forth tonight by Mr. Martineau. And we had a second. Um, I believe it was Joan with the seconds. Yes. Um, All right, so I see no further hands up. So um, I'm going to go to a roll call vote. Um, So I'm going to start with Mr. LaBelle. Yes. Ms. Frank. Yes. Ms. Gannett. Yes. And Ms. Taglia-Ferry. Yes. And myself. Is a yes. So um, the recommendation by Mr. Martino has been approved unanimously.
0: Let me move the Southborough vote forward. I don't see any other hands up for discussion. So I believe the motion was made by Dora and seconded by Jennifer. Am I correct in both of those? So this will be a roll call vote. Kim. Yes. Katura? Yes. Jennifer? Yes. Kamali? Yeah. And I vote yes. So that carries unanimously. Um, I think that this really concludes our business for tonight. Does anyone have anything they'd like to? Or shall we move to? uh, uh, accept some motions for adjournment and thank you everyone and I just like to offer my apologies to everyone for my microphone problems um, I do not know why this is happening but thanks for bearing with me very much I see Lauren hand up followed by Kelly
1: yes so it looks like myself Kelly and Kamali all have comments
0: I'm sorry, um, so, see, so I'll just on. make
1: this so I'll just make this brief I just wanted to thank everyone for their time tonight. Um, As Kamali stated, you know, this pandemic is not over and our work is not done, but this is sort of one step forward. Um, And I'm hoping that, you know, we can continue to work together, the community, our educators, um, the school committee, the medical advisory team. Uh, Also thank you everyone for your input um, and your part.
13: Kelly? You just have to hit that sweet spot, Roger. That's all you have to do. It's perfect. <laughs> um, I just want to say thank you to the medical advisory team for all your hard work, all the school nurses for your consistency, this, the staff um, at all the schools, the principals, the central office. I mean, it's it's been a tireless two years, and I know we're not through the pandemic, but we can starting to kind of see the light at the end of the tunnel so it's kind of refreshing you know that we're kind of moving in the right direction hopefully we won't be backtracking at all and then um i would for northborough make a motion to adjourn great we have a motion in a second
1: Um, i'm just going to wait to adjourn until um we hear from kamali thank you nothing to add Molly, we would
11: love if you uh,
1: left us with some words of wisdom.
21: Um, I just I was just going to say, you know, um, as corny as it is, um, I feel like we're, you know, our faces and our tones maybe sound somber. But this really is something to like for us to um, feel positive about that we're able to kind of have this information and come to a, a decision here. So, um, you know, sorry if I'm coming off as, as somber to, to whoever's watching, but really um I think um it's great collaboration and um um you know I I hope I'm wishing the best for Northborough and Southboro, and let's see where this takes us so that's it so that's my corny speech for tonight sorry
1: perfect way to end the Kamali thank you so much so I have um, a motion and a second to adjourn the meeting um so this will be a roll call vote from Northboro. um let's see Ms. Gannett yes Ms. Frank? Yes. Ms. Ferry, Yes. Mr. LaBelle? Yes. And I vote yes. So at 9.13 p.m. the Northborough School
7: Committee is adjourned.
8: Mike doesn't work. So, um,
0: anyway, I'll accept a uh, motion to adjourn
21: and a second. Who'd like to go? I'll make a motion that we adjourn. This is Kamali.
0: Moved by Kamali. Seconded by? I'll
21: second it, Kim.
0: By Kim. Uh, We'll take a roll call vote. Um, Kim? Yes. Katura?
18: Yes, Jennifer. Yes, Kamali. Yes,
0: I vote yes. Uh, Thanks so much to everyone, Um, and have a good evening. We are adjourned at nine fourteen p.m. Southborough. Thank you.
7: Thank
11: you.
0: Have a good night. Thank you.
11: Good night, everybody.
12: Be well.